it's me, Lady Rampant. Hi everyone and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of The Rampant Rundown, a socio-political activism podcast hosted by a fabulous political drag queen, me, Lady Rampant. Who else? Thank you everyone who tuned in last week to our wee introduction to the podcast. And from now on, you can find brand new episodes of The Rundown every Wednesday evening on all good places that podcasts are found. You know when Professor McGonagall in Harry Potter says, I've always wanted to use that spell? Well, I've always wanted to use that line. So I am having my Maggie Smith moment right now. (laughs) Anyway, as you can imagine, I'm all dressed up and absolutely nowhere to go. I've got on some gorgeous red hair as usual and actually a few people have asked me in the past why red hair? Why don't you change it up a little bit or why don't you go to brunette or blonde? And the reason is I'm actually named after the lion rampant which is the royal banner of Scotland and in that flag you can see there's a red lion in it and the, the lion's mane is red. So for me, it's always just been like part of my brand. It's just always something that I knew that I wanted to do was to wear red hair just to fit in with the the theme of the lion. I've also got on a little green dress right now. It is one that I've worn before, but you know, Bojo's an instant recession, so I don't feel bad. And uh, let's not forget, I've got myself a bloody big coffee because Lord knows whoever invented time wasn't thinking of the drag queens because there aren't enough hours in the bloody day. Anyways, let's get started with episode one of the Rampant Rundown. And this week's topic, which you may have already guessed from the title of the episode, is Sober Queer Spaces. Now, the episode will be split into three parts following our usual structure here at the Rampant Rundown. What are we here to do? We are here to highlight, we are here to amplify, and we are here to sign post the house down boots. In section one, I will highlight some of the issues that the lack of sober queer spaces for the LGBTQ plus community creates and indeed the importance of having sober queer spaces in the first place. In section two, I will have a one-to-one interview with this week's very special guest who is about to open up a brand new sober queer space in Edinburgh. How exciting is that? And uh, before I before I finish the episode, I will recap the discussion and signpost you towards some safe sober queer spaces here in Scotland in section three. Now that's this week's episode. Let's get started. And I do want to start by saying that um, it should be known that I myself do like a wee drink. I love a wee drink. I'm not going to lie. I do enjoy a drink. I'm I'm a drag queen, for God's sake, and I'm Scottish. So you can be rest assured that there's usually a bottle of wine in my fridge. But what we see is more often than not, the, the spaces that are created for LGBTQ plus people tend to be bars and clubs for people to meet up, people to socialise and even hook up. Nowadays in Glasgow, we have several queer bars, clubs and club nights across the country, which is absolutely great. We have came such a long, long way. In Glasgow in the 1980s, there were very few bars that actually catered to non-heterosexuals, as the term were, such as bars like the Waterloo and Bennett's. And I, th- I think actually the Waterloo might have been the first gay bar in Glasgow. And if it wasn't the first, it was definitely one of the first. Um, and now what we see is that the majority of our queer spaces that we have in Scotland involve the sale of alcohol. And uh, sometimes, let's face it, people consume in other substances. Now, what this does is it does create additional issues for some members of the LGBTQ plus community. And that's what we want to highlight this week. That's what I want to discuss. That's what I want to share with you and indeed highlight the importance of sober queer spaces in this episode. So let's get started then. I want to just list some of the the groups that this affects and indeed some of the issues that are caused by the lack of sober queer spaces. And the first issue that this creates is actually an ageist dynamic uh, between members of the LGBTQ plus community. 
Now, that's pretty obvious because, as most of you will know, you do need to be 18 to enter and drink in a bar here in Scotland. That's pretty standard uh, and across the UK. And, of course, it does differ from country to country. Uh, in my experience, particularly mainland Europe, uh, they're definitely not the best at asking for your ID over there. But here in Scotland, the legal drinking age that we have is 18. And we do have a very strict Challenge 25 policy. Uh, for those of you listening outside of the UK and Scotland, Challenge 25 is a policy where stewards and bouncers and indeed shop workers uh, have the right to challenge your age and request to see your ID if you look under the age of 25. Now, I don't mind if you ask to see my ID. That means you think that I look young, so I'm going to take that as a compliment. But because most of our queer spaces are pubs and clubs, this dramatically decreases the number of queer spaces that our LGBTQ plus youth are actually able to attend. Now, this is an issue because, as we know, LGBTQ plus youth and children, they are a very vulnerable group in our society. In 2017, LGBT Youth Scotland carried out a survey and they found that actually 50% of LGBTQ plus young people experienced suicidal thoughts or behaviours. Um, and according to the, the Albert Kennedy Trust, 24% of homeless young people identify as LGBTQ plus. And amongst those people, 77% of them believe that coming out to their parents was the main factor for this. Um, so we, we can see that the LGBTQ plus youth are a very vulnerable group uh, in our society. But only 43% of these people, of LGBTQ plus youth, thought that there were actually enough socially safe spaces for them to be open about their identity. Now, to me, this is absolutely alarming because this means that more than half of our LGBTQ plus youth think that they don't actually have a safe space and indeed, in my opinion, one of the main reasons for this is because our spaces are actually centred around bars and clubs that they just simply cannot enter. Now, the beauty of sober queer spaces and cafes is that they don't have an alcohol licence. They can't legally sell you any alcohol, which means they don't have an age restriction. Uh, so you don't need ID to enter, which means that this ageist dynamic that we see is actually removed. Now, young queer people can meet each other in these sober, safe spaces uh, in a non-alcohol, non-drug environment and just hang out with their pals uh, and meet other like-minded people safely in a safe and controlled environment. This can be LGBTQ plus youth groups, a local cafe, a library, university, you name it, just another safe space. Quick side note, actually, I will be signposting all of our safe, sober, queer spaces that I'm going to discuss today in section three of the episode. So make sure to tune into that part at the end and I'll be signposting you towards them. But uh, the next issue that this uh, creates, or the lack of safe, sober, queer spaces creates for our LGBTQ plus community is uh, an ableist situation. Given the lack of the accessibility of our queer spaces that are centred around bars and clubs, now the first issue that strings that strings to mind <laughs> the first issue that springs to mind God I think I need another coffee I need a top up the first issue that this creates that springs to my mind is indeed uh, an issue of transport how are people going to get uh, to and from the bar and the club if they uh, are not fully able bodied and indeed public transport might not even be an option for them. And secondly, there is the actual accessibility of, of bars and clubs themselves, because as we know, they are genuinely not the most accessible to physically disabled individuals. Uh, most of them don't have uh, a lift. A lot of them have a lot of stairs and they're just very spaced out, meaning that it can uh, be difficult for physically disabled individuals uh, to attend. Now, this is a real shame because, as we know, this is their place too. They should be allowed to enter this safe space. Even if they can get to the bar in the club, they maybe can't even get in. Um, and, and that is a real issue, in my opinion. Now, aside from that, what we see is that, of course, not all disabilities are, are physical. So even if you can physically enter the club as well, you may actually have a, men a mental disability or indeed some mental health issues which prevents you from actually entering and there may be additional barriers that you'll face in a, a busy pub or club atmosphere. Uh, if you suffer from anxiety, then uh, this rowdy drunken atmosphere it might be a trigger for your mental health. Um, and indeed, autistic individuals can be like sensitive to noise and things like that. So if most of our safe spaces are, are focused around these bars and clubs, then 
then it absolutely creates additional barriers for uh, the, the disabled members of our LGBTQ plus community. And what we see is the lack of accessibility can actually push disabled members of the community uh, further away and make them feel like they're not a part of the community. And in my opinion, that, that is really disgusting and it, it needs to stop right now. And I absolutely call for more accessible venues and in particular, more accessible sober queer spaces so that everyone can attend and all different intersections of the queer community uh, are able to attend safe spaces. Now, places like quiet cafes and buildings, uh, like a library that has the use of a lift, indeed are safe spaces for disabled members of our community to attend uh, that are not this pub and club environment. Now, another reason that uh, we need sofa, uh, sofa? We need sober queer spaces is indeed uh, because of the higher rates of addiction in the LGBTQ plus community. That's the third issue that I feel that the lack of safe sober queer spaces creates now, the Addiction Centre found that an estimated of 20 to 30% of the LGBTQ plus community abuse substances compared to 9% of the population as a whole. Now, this is partly due to a number of obstacles that us queer people face in everyday life that heterosexual people just don't come across, um, such as discrimination and stigmatisation of our sexual orientation, hate crimes on, based on our sexual orientation or our gender, emotional abuse, uh, rejection or shame from family and friends after coming out. Sadly, the list does go on. And uh, according to Stonewall, an LGBTQ plus charity, a lot of the time, LGBTQ plus individuals will actually turn to drugs or alcohol as a means to self-medicate uh, away from these challenge that, challenges that we face in society. For example, in 2018, uh, there was a health report that they published that found that one in six LGBTQ plus people drink alcohol every day over the space of a year. Um, and one in eight people take drugs at least once a month uh, over the space of a year. Now, those figures are really high. There's no judgment from me or indeed any of us here at the Rampant Rundown, but those figures are high. They do speak for themselves and they do show that we in our queer community have an increased level of addiction in our society. Now, for members of the LGBTQ plus community who are struggling with addiction, a busy pub or club atmosphere is not going to be the best place for them to attend. Or indeed, perhaps they might not be able to attend at all. They may have been advised not to attend or they may have made the active choice that they are going to avoid that environment. Uh, however, having safe, sober queer spaces, of course, removes this element of temptation and this sort of pressure that those people might feel in a, a pub or club environment. Now, that leads me on to the fourth issue, in my opinion, that the lack of safe, sober queer spaces creates. And indeed, a reason why alcohol is abuse is uh, so high amongst LGBTQ plus members uh, of our community is that there is a huge amount of peer pressure in the queer scene to drink, to drink alcohol. And uh, this pressure comes from a variety of sources. It's not just sort of pinpointed onto one thing, in my opinion. I think it actually comes from, I mean, it comes from our friends, it comes from our queer colleagues, and actually even the bars and pubs and clubs are guilty of this themselves. Um, in 2015, researchers from Glasgow Cali, sorry, Glasgow Caledonian University here in uh, Scotland, actually surveyed a number of LGBTQ plus people um, about their alcohol use, and a lot of people actually commented on the strong marketing push led by the bars and clubs themselves. Uh, one person who was interviewed told the researchers that they actually have guys walking about with trays, like half naked with trays of shots. It's kind of like sexualization in a sense. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case all the time, like people walking around with their clothes off, and I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I do think this is genuinely the case uh, some of the time, if not a lot of the time especially on a busy Friday or Saturday night, that people are walking around with trays of shots trying to sell you them. Um, I was actually out a few weeks ago with my friends and we were sitting at a table drinking and someone came up to offer the shots uh, who was working in the bar. And actually we did buy them because, I mean, we'd had a few. And sometimes it can be quite hard to say no um, if, if they're there, if they're in your face and, and they're being sold to you. And uh, they are very cheap, which, uh, which indeed is another reason why you might want to buy them. So it generally can be quite hard to say no, and indeed there is a lot of pressure uh, that arises from that to drink. But let's let's take uh, let's go away then from the the bar and the club scene for a moment, whilst we're talking about pressure, because 
it is sort of across the board in the queer community at this pressure that we have to drink. Another example is if you are a member of a queer sports club, um, if although obviously playing the sport itself doesn't require or involve the use of alcohol, but it is very common for the socials of these clubs and these uh, queer sports uh, clubs to then be held in a bar or or indeed a club that they have themselves that sells alcohol. Even just like your team members going for some drinks after the game can really put pe- pressure on people to go who want to socialise with their teammates, but it is in this sort of alcohol-fueled environment. And they might not want to do that for whatever reasons. Uh, this can be health reasons. They may be recovering a- addicts, like I just highlighted before, or indeed because a busy pub or club environment is not for them and they just don't want to be there. Uh, I mean, we've all been there where we don't want to be in the rowdy pub environment when everyone else is drunk and you're the only sober one. It's a nightmare. But meeting in sober queer spaces of course removes the peer pressure to drink because it's just simply not available. It's not an option and for some LGBTQ plus people this might actually make their experience of being in safe sober queer spaces more enjoyable without having to worry about what their friends are going to think or having to explain why they're sober. Now in my opinion you should never have to explain to anybody why you're sober but it is absolutely easier said than done and there is pressure that arises from the queer community to drink. So that is just some of the issues in my mind that arise from the lack of safe sober queer spaces. It creates an ageist dynamic, it creates an ableist dynamic, it is not suitable for addicts in the community and people who are struggling with drugs and alcohol and because we have this sort of pressure blanket across the queer community to drink. Um, so yeah, that's some issues I think that are created with the lack of safe sober queer spaces for different intersections within the LGBTQ plus community. It's absolutely not an exhaustive list at all, but you can find more information about this on our Instagram page at the Rampant Rundown that I will be signposting you to towards in section three. So that concludes section one of the episode of this week's episode, which is sober queer spaces. Okay, now moving to section two of the episode, and it's my pleasure to welcome our very, very special guest of this week. They are also a drag artist. In fact, they are the high priestess of Edinburgh drag. Uh, Their drag name is Mystica Glamour, and they run a nightclub uh, show called Glamour in Edinburgh uh, at the Street Nightclub, I believe. So please welcome Oscar Hansen. Woo! Hello, darling. How are we? I'm very well. Thank you very much for joining me today. How are you? I'm very good. I'm drinking a lot of instant coffee and just ticking things off my to-do list and feeling fresh. <laughs> well, I was actually saying at the start of the episode that I've got coffee as well because there genuinely are not enough hours in the day for drag queens and performers. It's the tea. <laughs> Honestly, it's too much these days. And we went from really doing like nothing to doing the most, I feel like. Uh-huh. And doing the most online in the shortest space of time. Literally, with the least amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, we're here today to talk about sober queer spaces. And I've asked you to join in particular because you are working on a really, really exciting project right now. Can you tell us a little bit more about the project and introduce us to it, please? Yes. So um, me and my friend Zach um, have basically just sort of stumbled upon this project of opening a queer cafe and sort of well it's a cafe but it's also like a multi-purpose space because it's got a little like shop area um you've got a tiny little like basement with a really low ceiling which for me who's like six foot three is um and we got we're gonna have like um prints of art like artworks by local artists um as well as like the usual things, uh pastries and like baked goods and bread and hot drinks and we're also going to be introducing uh, vegan food. Why not? Yeah. yeah, of course. Fantastic. So I was also going to ask, is the cafe, is it just a bakery? But obviously it's not. You have loads of different things going on. And I've seen something about tarot card readings as well taking place. Is that right? Yes, God, because I am <laughs> the high priestess of Edinburgh Drag and all that. <laughs> and a fun little like side hustle that I would do either in drag or out of it would be yeah. um, is, uh, tarot reading. Um, uh-huh. So I can do spreads. Uh, I've done some lockdown, just like do like video calls. Like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just a fun little way. I don't know. I think especially queer people, mm-hmm. we find a lot of power in things like magic and 
tarot and that kind of stuff. It is all about, the way I see it at least, about sort of asserting yourself and sort of building yourself up um, from nothing, as it were, you know. Um, so sort of dragging yourself out of this place where you don't feel a lot of self-worth and things like that and actually creating something more powerful for yourself. Um, so I think it's very appealing to queer people. Um, oh, it's absolutely, yeah. And it's definitely gotten me pretty much everything. I've achieved in like drag or out of it, um, sort of magic. And we could talk about that for hours and hours. Yeah. Focus <laughs> on the Sober Queer Cafe. Yeah, well, that's a fantastic addition to the Sober Queer Cafe because how many bars or clubs do you know that you're going to go to that you're going to get a tarot reading potentially if you book in advance so it's it's uh, it's fantastic um but obviously the the queer cafe then um how did you guys uh, well first of all congratulations on becoming the owners of the cafe that's it's really really exciting um, but how did you guys stumble across it what was the story and and what happened so it was literally just i was on facebook as you know, one does during lockdown. <laughs> uh, just a little bit too too much sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I saw this uh, post, just like a little you know a picture from a place called the Greenwood, um, and it said, "Oh, you know, this cafe and shop looking for new owners uh, slash manager. Um, little cafe space, little basement gallery area." And I said, "I just shared it, and pretty much as a joke, just said, haha, wouldn't it be great if we could open a little queer cafe?' Like, LOL." You know, as if that would ever possibly happen. But this is when I talk about magic. I'm very like, oh, imagine if that happened. It and it did, um, yep. <laughs> five minutes later, I got a comment from my friend Zach, who used to run the um, like famous joke shop here in Edinburgh. Okay. Um, and he was like, I was literally about to write to them. Because mm-hmm. he was looking for a job. Um, and he has the sort of business smarts and those, you know, he's like, I love spreadsheets and doing numbers. Which for me, is my vision of hell. Oh, me too. Yeah. Hell. So I was like, okay, great. Let's. I'll bring the sort of creative side and the like. Oh, queer cafe idea and all this kind of stuff. And he has the more sort of managerial numbers business kind of side. Yeah. And we just sort of started talking about it. Um, and then we went to the, like the current manager. Uh, and she loved the idea. And we got it. And then it's just sort of like spitballed into this like thing. And it just literally started with me sharing this post on Facebook. Wow, like, joking about it almost. And yeah, um, well, that's uh, that's amazing. Like, what a good duo that is going to be. If he has like the business head on him and stuff like that, then it sounds like you guys are going to be the perfect combo to really make something cool of of the Greenwood. I'm I'm really yeah. excited to see what's going to come of it. Um, and the the opening when actually is the opening of the cafe? So we're opening. Uh, so it's currently open under the current owner but like in a totally different form of course but she sort of moves out on the 30th of august Mm -hmm. and then we got three days to like paint and move furniture (laughs) and just have about 50 panic attacks um but we'll we'll be officially reopening on the 4th of september friday Uh um and we're going to be open from 8 a.m to 6 p.m uh every day for now we're at least going to try it out i think the first month is going to be very much trying Mm -hmm. things out and seeing how things work and you know how to do it yeah, and we'll be accepting feedback as long as it's constructive. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm really excited. Um, and we've gotten so much support uh, because, of course, I don't think this happens with artists as well. Like we have an idea in our heads of like what it means, <laughs> and you know, like why I do this piece or this, you know, yeah, or whatever it is. But then that means something totally different mm-hmm. in the eyes of like someone buying your art or whatever it is. Um, and that's often a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, sure, I had the idea like, oh, queer sober space, la di da di da. Cool. Let me get a job as a kid. I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> and then just seeing the response from people and how yeah. positive and like thrilled they've been about it. Yeah. And I, I, I have seen that for myself because there's a very important feature that we haven't mentioned yet. And that's also the GoFundMe page right. that, is, uh, that you guys started up. So, can you tell us a little bit more about the GoFundMe page? page please and tell us about its success because i've seen it's successful so let's let's hear about that it's getting there yeah so we started off so once it really became like okay this is happening yeah um there were obviously some sort of basic costs that we needed to sort of cover to like take it over um mm-hmm. just little things like the insurance for the year and, um i think like the company needed to get like checked once the year somebody needed to do that and all these little sort of things um and we needed about i think 1,500 for that, mm-hmm. but a very, 
bare minimum. Yeah. So we thought, okay, I, I've had experience doing uh, like crowdfunders for film projects and fringe shows and stuff like that. And so I thought, okay, what if I start just a little thing? Uh, it gets the word out a little bit, you know, and we can, you know, because we're all broke. We're all, like, me and Zach are extremely broke. Um, so we're just like, okay, if we can get some money, that would be great. And then we're not out of pocket, at least. Mm-hmm. And so we started this crowd, please go fund me, uh, with a goal of 1,500, and mm-hmm. we made that money in three hours. Wow. <laughs> three hours. And that I was like, is what? insane. <laughs> I was like, what? This is just mad. I think I shared on, like, one, like, big for the Facebook group, I remember, and like, like, what? Uh, like in three hours, I think we're at two thousand. Like we'd sort of gone above and beyond, and we yeah, were like, oh, okay. yeah. so you know, we realized we could like update the uh, the goal to like three thousand, and I yeah. think, no, like three thousand five hundred, we did. And within twenty four hours of when we launched it, like to the minute, mm-hmm. we reached that. So it was like, oh, okay, um, which is brilliant. But yeah. it was still, you know, the, the more we sort of did it, the more we were actually looking at the cost. Mm-hmm. You know, like well we actually need it. I was like, okay, if we want to have a like, vegan food, you know, basically a new kit. Yeah. Because um, right now it's very limited. It's like a, a coffee machine, like a really small coffee machine mm-hmm. and pastries. Mm-hmm. That's what the shop is. And, you know, we want to make smoothies. We want to make hot dishes, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, plus all these activities we want to do in the basement, stuff like that. Um, so we sort of left it for a few days, mm-hmm. let some, some people donate. And then after about 10 days or something, something like that, uh, we raised the goal to 10,000 just because we thought, okay, get that. Then we really got everything covered. And because the money was still coming in, we were like, okay, let's aim high. And it's that sort of yeah. cheesy but true line of like, you know, aim for the moon, land in the stars kind of mm-hmm. thing. So like, even if we don't get the full 10K, mm-hmm. we're closer, you know, than if we just have to play for day, for example. Yeah. Um, and we've done the, badge, the budgeting and all that, and we should be all right now. Of course, we'd love to reach 10, 10K mm-hmm. as we open. Um, but it's been honestly amazing. And through the GoFundMe, we've really seen the support. Uh, of course, financially, which has been beautiful. Uh, but even more than that, again, just the messages. And the amount, you know, we've had people being like, oh, this is dedicated to my friend, Sheila, or whatever she was called, who, you know, was like a, like, could never really come out as a lesbian and died in, you know, last year. Oh. Um, or like, oh, you know, I, I'm not, not a student, but when I was at 17, like a lot of people in Scotland, mm-hmm. I couldn't go to the gay bars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's these little things that really make you realize, oh, this is needed. Yeah, of um, course. Again, we had an idea like, oh, yeah, let's open a cafe. Woo. Um, but then you realize how much that can actually mean to people. Yeah. Um, through these messages, through these like real stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what made it extra important to us to do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And on that subject, I mean, the Greenwood Cafe is the first of its kind in Edinburgh, or so I'm led to believe. Um, and we see most of the queer spaces that we have nowadays do tend to be sort of bars and clubs and environments that um, have an alcohol license and sell alcohol. So when I was explaining to my mum about the cafe um, and I was telling her that this is the first of its kind in Edinburgh, she was taken aback. She was absolutely shocked because she actually thought cafes like the Greenwood Cafe were just sort of a given here in the UK and Scotland, and they were everywhere in the queer community. Um, and there are, of course, some, but very, very few. And my question, well, it's actually a question from her, is why do you think this is? Why do you think we don't have more sober queer spaces like the Greenwood Cafe that's that's opening up? It's, it's a funny one. I think, well, first of all, I think... Um, we had a news article written about us that said we're the first queer cafe in, in Scotland or in Edinburgh. And there were a bunch of comments saying, like, actually, there's, there's been a few places, you know. Yeah. And I remember there was one here in Edinburgh that I would go to, which was sort of queer friendly and had, like, I think the base of, like, a like Scots gay magazine or something, like, in the basement and stuff like that. Okay. So I think there have been kind of similar projects. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that sort of sets us apart in a way is the, I think a lot of the queer aspects of what we're doing mm-hmm. is that essentially what we're doing is selling queer art. And I think that's going to be one of sort of the biggest things mm-hmm. um, in terms of like that queer focus is that we're sort of explicitly saying, I don't know, I feel like some other cafes and projects may have been like, yes, we're queer friendly, but it's for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, which we are too, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are kind of making a point to be yeah. queer, not just, oh, nice little cafe, which, you know, has mm-hmm. you know, flyers in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually openly making the risk as well 
of saying yeah. we are queer, like we're here, we're queer, we're gonna you know, serve you some vegan soup. <laughs> yes, we love to see it. Yeah, pride, just like serving up lentil soup to the gays. Like, woo, you're valid. Yeah. Yes, we love that. You're non-binary twink. <laughs> oh, I love it's it. Like, that is it's like by by queer people for queer people. And yeah. for everyone else, of course. And for yeah. the same comments on these like news articles, people being like, oh, the gay, you know. Like oh the gays are segregating themselves and they're trying mm-hmm. to they want to be accepted but then they make themselves the exception and it's like oh my favorite oh but Scotland's fine now there's no homophobia yeah, in Scotland of course but, you know and this is from like a fifty year old guy who works up on the oil rigs yeah oh, you you know nothing about homophobia I'm sorry uh-huh. like yes it it has gotten better and Scotland has gotten mm-hmm. so much better but yeah. there's still a lot of work to do mm-hmm. and at the end of the day I think Scotland likes to say that it's very tolerant mm-hmm. as a sort of which is great you know and it should yeah. and it's sort of pushing towards it but um there's still like a whole generation if not generation yes who remember when it was illegal to be quit or you know a mental illness or be thrown in jail or all that yeah um, and even if they've changed or whatever there's i think and we've seen this in poland mm-hmm. all it takes is a little push to mm-hmm. say oh you see the disgusting gays or whatever for people to suddenly have the language to say, oh, well, it's an ideology, it's terrible, you're you know, pedophile, you're ruining children, like all this horrible stuff. Yeah, but you course. just have to give people the tools to hate you and they will do it. Because so, mm. yeah. they'll just figure off a tiny little like self-dissatisfaction will get, which will get them angry mm-hmm. at a which is you know, yeah. minorities, especially queer people, mm-hmm. are very easy you know, scapegoats for that, very easy targets. Yeah. Um, that was a bit of a tangent there. But, yeah. No, no, it's relevant to, to what you're saying as well, because it is very much for queer people, or by queer people, for queer people, but not specifically and only for queer people. But there is a need to have spaces like this. We do need safe spaces for our community, and our community spaces are so important just to feel relaxed, to feel just accepted and to be around other uh, queer people. Yeah. And, and to build bridges. This yeah. is really our thing, is to build bridges, including with straight people, allies and moms. Of course. Or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And saying that, like, we can still, it's, I think often people mistake equality for just blending in. Yes. You know, which is the exact opposite of what it actually is. Because mm-hmm. when we talk about equality and like representation, it's about recognizing, celebrating mm-hmm. differences and still recognizing that we're like valid within that. Yeah, you know, we can of course. Totally different and like flamboyantly or really casually queer in whatever way um, and still be like, you know, an accepted, acceptable yeah. part of society. Um, just because I'm in a wig doesn't mean I'm some circus freak. I mean, I am a circus freak, but you know. Only on Mondays. Yeah, and not anymore, so. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and and with that then, I I I totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, and with the with the sober queer spaces, with <laughs> queer spaces that don't involve alcohol, like the yes. Greenwood Cafe, um, so uh, queer spaces in general, as we've been saying, but sober queer spaces. Why do you think then that they are so important for a community? What's what's so important about sober spaces? Well, because I've been seeing this, and lockdown has really uh, unlocked this in me, um, of this feeling of, I mean, yes, you know, you could go to CC Blooms during the day and just have a coffee and meet your queer friends there. Yes. You know, we're not saying you can't do that, obviously. Yes. Or you can go to any cafe or whatever. But at the end of the day, the spaces that are predominantly shown as, like, queer, inclusive, come into the show, um, Pretty much the only options we have is like the bar or the nightclub and the drag show. Mm-hmm. And like, surely there's more to it than that. You know, yeah. obviously, like, I listen, I, I, I'm a party animal. I love mm-hmm. to drink. I love to party. I love being in drag and getting drunk. I love the thrill, the, you know, excitement, the laughter, all of it. But balance. And because I was getting to a point before lockdown where I was doing drag like full time, mm-hmm. all that, um, like the last five months at least, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of killed the fun of it. Right, okay. It was like, you know, doing my makeup was like, okay, another day at the office. Oh, you know, I hope to get enough tips this time. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I'm going to get, and then on top of that, wake, like part of the job is waking up with a hangover the next day. Yes. You know, partying. And I was just like, oh, I'm like, why am I so tired and exhausted and eating junk food all the time? Like, yeah. Because you're drinking for a living. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, this is, mm. um, and I had a moment in lockdown where I had like a bottle of wine, which is like very bare minimum, I would say, yeah. for example. And I had like a bottle of wine and like a little bit of vodka, like half a Okay. And I'll admit that as a way to say, like, yeah. I had to be like, wake up call. I was like, okay, sweetheart, that's not good. You know, yeah. this is like really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the only option that we give to young, young, especially queer kids. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're 18, come to the club and get, like, destroy yourself. Yeah. All of it. Um, regret a lot of actions, feel bad the next day, mm-hmm. um, and probably do things that you shouldn't. Yeah. You know, and then it sort of opens you up to, to predators or to, you know, just. Mm-hmm the scene or just drunk, other drunk idiots you know yeah um and i think that's great and we need to do that mm-hmm. but we need balance and if yeah. we can go to a space where we you know you can just have a, a coffee or a tea or a hot chocolate mm-hmm. but still feel that you're in a queer space yeah. with a queer community let alone buy some local queer art or go see an exhibition of a local queer artist mm-hmm. i think that would mean the world to someone of course and it obviously is from what people are saying um because then you can have that and then go to the drag show and then go to yeah. the party and whatever. But it's having that balance, mm-hmm. um, which I think is so important. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the reasons that um, this idea has sort of sprung up also in Glasgow, as I was mentioning to you the other day, like yeah. this is based in Glasgow, very different kind of spaces, I think. But um, it's brilliant. I think it's fantastic because mm-hmm. it seems to be this very lockdown idea of like, oh, right, I was partying a lot. Maybe I didn't really need that. Maybe I just needed yeah. to sit down and actually hear my friends talk, you know, mm-hmm. and just have a hot chocolate instead of, you know, five Jager bars. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Um, and just having that balance between mm-hmm. the two, I think, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for myself, when I first sort of came out of the, the closet and started going out into the, the queer scene and really experiencing that, the only place for me to really experience that was in a bar or a club. Yeah. Or even the even the um, LGBTQ plus society was focused around alcohol socials. So yeah. you would have some sort of social and then drink after that. There was always alcohol involved. And for me, for a long while, I sort of equated the queer community as an alcohol environment. Precisely. And we know we know that that is not the case. Like the community is so vibrant that there are so many different parts of the community that are there to be enjoyed. Like queer literature and um, yeah. queer history and uh, I think the the importance of sober queer spaces to showcase that aspect is uh yeah it's incredibly important and I think like you said um the cafes that are opening up in Glasgow and indeed the the Greenwood are fantastic opportunities to do that um I, I really do and I'm really excited to see what comes of all of these sort of new sober queer spaces um that are popping up. So back to the Greenwood Cafe now, and um, it's currently open with the other owners, but you are hoping that your opening, you and Zach would be on the 4th of September. That's right, yes? Yes, we'll be opening on the 4th of September. Uh, we had a lot of people sort of say, oh, I'd love to come in drag and I can't wait to hang out. I'm like, mm. that's great, babe. However, like when, you know, it's opening, because we made a Facebook like opening event, mm-hmm. but that's, the thing is, we are in the age of COVID. We're not a, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we want as many people to come, but we're a tiny space. We've got I think, two or three tables at the most upstairs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is going to be quite jam-packed. I think we're going to be very busy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited. And it's, mm-hmm. it's all very nerve-wracking and it's all very different and crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't wait to get going. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's going to be fab. And in terms of the, the opening as well, are you going to have like a, a terrace on the front or does everyone sort of have to be inside with the, the COVID restrictions at the moment? Do we know? No. Oops, sorry, you just fed up for a second. Oh yeah, the COVID restrictions. Um, so we're allowed to have people inside technically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think up to eight people, mm-hmm. ideally. Uh, we only really have space for like three little tables with like about two, maximum three or four uh, chairs around them. Mm-hmm. Um, um but we i think a lot of it is going to be like people just coming in and getting like a takeaway coffee and stuff like mm-hmm. that um and we've got a nice little park we're like right in the middle of this sort of brunt's and fountain bridge areas mm-hmm. uh so that's very sort of quaint 
cozy sort of residential area and then like the really modern bit mm-hmm. like a little canal which is lovely i've never mm-hmm. been there. like i mean once i think um okay. it's the actual part of edinburgh that makes you feel like you're in a capital city you know love that instead of a tiny village mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um yeah, so uh, uh, then, uh, of course, if you don't have much space inside, it is okay for people to come, get a coffee or a pastry or whatever, and take that away. And there's a local park close by that they can go and enjoy that. So they can still come and support, even if they are unable to perhaps sit inside, if it's going to be a busy day. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And we are hoping to have little sort of like activities and workshops in the uh, the basement space. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see, you know, what we can get away with kind of thing with them. Um, mm-hmm restrictions and all that but what we're thinking of doing as well is doing online shows Fantastic. Um, using like our platform as the greenwood we just hit like a thousand likes on our page mm-hmm. we're like okay um you know we can do like pay what you want you know suggested five pound donation or something online events like cabaret variety stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, and then you get like the zoom password for a little variety show kind of thing oh, okay. um and then that way we can sort of use our platform as a way to bring it all together even if we're not doing it physically in our space yeah still you know bring people a sort of community together somehow mm-hmm. um so that's it, it's all you know up in the air and of course we are taking this huge risk of like opening a business during the time of covid um but honestly i'd rather take a risk and work on a project that actually means something than just sit about all, all the time doing nothing except for like yeah. one drag lip sync video a month yeah. um so yeah it feels good well, like you said, you are a big believer in magic. So if you want it to happen, then go out and make it happen. Um, I, we always say, make your own magic, make your own magic. And it sounds like that's exactly what you guys are doing. So I'm so happy for you. It's so refreshing to hear. I personally can't wait to come have a coffee next time I'm in Edinburgh. I might not tell you I'm coming. I might just pop in as a surprise. <laughs> Full drag. Yeah. <laughs> Full drag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you'll see the red hair coming through the window and you'll think, oh, oh God, well. here she is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Greenwood Cafe on Facebook and uh, the GoFundMe page, what we'll do is we'll put all of that information on our Instagram page at The Rampant Rundown um, and we will share that. We will share the, the GoFundMe page as well and we can hopefully help you get to the 10K target because that would just be insane. That would be yeah, if we managed to do that. Yeah. So then, yep, yeah, I'm very looking forward to seeing what the Greenwood Cafe does. Thank you so much for joining me today, Oscar. It's been fantastic to catch up with you. And I can't wait to pop into the Greenwood Cafe in person and have a coffee for myself. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, darling. And I'll see you at the Greenwood. See you at the Greenwood. Bye. Okay then, and moving on now to section three of the episode where I will recap the discussion and signpost you to some of the safe, sober queer spaces that we have here in Scotland and across the UK. Because the good news is they are out there, we do have them, and I'm going to tell you some of those in just a little bit. But before that, I want to recap the discussion and just highlight what we've been talking about so far. And that is the fact that uh, the majority of our queer spaces and clubs... uh, that we have right now um, sell alcohol. They are bars and they are clubs uh, with an alcohol licence. And what this does is it creates additional issues for different intersections of the LGBTQ plus community, such as our LGBTQ plus youth, disabled individuals, uh, addicts, and indeed it puts peer pressure on all of us to drink. And, um, And because of that, there is a real lack of sober queer spaces. Now, if that's the case and we want to change this, how do we do it? How do we how do we change this? Um, and I think it is a it's a very big question, which I'm sure there are many opinions on. And indeed, especially when you see it through different lenses and different intersections of the community, there are it's going to be a very unique opinion for everyone. But what I, in my opinion at least, what I think is that I would like to see a shift towards spaces for everyone and safe spaces. That, that serves every sort of uh, intersection of the community. Um, now, in my opinion, over the years, we have seen queer spaces being derived from a need for LGBTQ plus only spaces. For instance, for people to meet up safely, uh, people to hide where they're going, to avoid prosecution, or or even worse. And I, I mean, we're not hiding for prosecution here in Scotland anymore, but we are still using queer spaces as our safe our safe space, our safe place to go to. 
and indeed it's still necessary because community spaces are important for a, a multitude of reasons even just to feel comfortable about ourselves and our surroundings i know that's something that i definitely feel quite strongly about but um in scotland now i think what we should do is we should focus on lgbtq plus safe spaces for all lgbtq plus members and not just those who are able to sort of attend bars and clubs I think what we really need to see is we need to see different events organised that don't have an alcohol licence and that are easily accessible and have different times to make sure that everyone uh, is accommodated. Now, this could be support or information groups, it could be libraries, cafes, open mic nights, uh, you name it, literally anything. I think as well, like, during coronavirus, we've all got so creative with the internet um, it, and we're doing a lot more online now and even through Zoom, we're having different discussions and I think it's great. I, I, I like to see the internet being used for good in this way. So I think that the internet and Zoom and things like that could contribute enormously to sort of safe spaces, uh, sober safe spaces that people can access from their own home. Indeed, anything that doesn't really take place in an alcohol environment is, uh, is a bonus. But now then, to sort of signpost you towards some of the, the safe sober queer spaces that I've been talking about so far. Um, because like I said, the good news is that they are out there. And I do want to highlight some that you can get involved directly, uh, directly in here in Scotland. Now, the first one, because I spoke about the youth, first of all, I want to highlight LGBT Youth Scotland. They are a fantastic charity. They're Scotland's national charity for LGBTQ plus young people. And they work uh, mostly with the age bracket of 13 to 25 year olds across the country um it's actually it's their goal to make scotland the best place to grow up in for lesbian gay bisexual transgender and intersex young people and they actually they have a variety of services available which are safe which are sober and which are catered to young people uh, some of these uh, services and spaces are they have uh, local youth groups they offer digital support from youth workers online through a live chat system there's the internet being used again. Like I said, I think that um, we could definitely see more of this. And uh, indeed, LGBT uh, Youth Scotland, they have an advice centre with lots of information and advice for parents and how to report hate crime and stuff like that. So this is a safe space in itself. This is information that, and this is resources uh, that, that can really be used uh, by LGBTQ plus young people. If you want to check them out, please visit their website, lgbtyouth.org.uk or you can follow them on social media at lgbtys to keep an eye out for any upcoming events that they might do or indeed any sort of meeting groups or anything like that. They do have a, a, a Twitter account, which they're quite active on, so go and check it out. Another one indeed uh, is uh, LGBT Disability Online and that's actually uh, a service which provides services to uh, disabled members of the community who need uh, advice or guidance uh, or other resources. If you want to check them out, you can visit them at www.disabilityonline.org.uk forward slash disabled dash LGBT. Go on, go and check them out and see what they have available. Um, but also, as well as online services, th those are uh, just a few. Um, but I want to talk about uh, some sober queer cafes that are opening up to talk about an actual physical space that you can go to um, that is a sober environment to be around. Now, I have been speaking already uh, to Oscar today about the Greenwood Cafe in Edinburgh. So that is fantastic. If you're in Edinburgh, please make sure and go and check it out. But uh, a little bit closer to home for me, I'm going to talk about some in Glasgow. And firstly, I want to give a huge, big, warm shout out to Kyoto. Uh, that's their short name. The long name is Queers Together. And they are opening up very soon in Glasgow. Um, I haven't actually had the chance to meet them yet. Uh, in person and unfortunately I couldn't attend the, the launch night their first ever launch that they were doing but I have been speaking to them online quite a lot uh, we've had quite a few conversations and they are fabulous like genuinely such great vibes you know how you can just feel really good vibes from people well they are giving me great vibes honest to god they are a multi-purpose sober queer venue founded in solidarity accessibility and good vibes told you um they haven't actually managed to secure a premises yet for the cafe but like i said they did have their first pop-up event on september the 4th um please go and check out their page because they're actually still raising money to get started i've donated so 
that means you should too. <laughs> the website, uh, if you wish to donate to them, uh, and it's this sort of like thing where it's called Buy Me a Coffee, and it's like you buy them a coffee, but you're contributing to their fund to, to get them started. It's fabulous. The website is buymeacoffee.com forward slash Q-U-T-O. You can support them that way by donating money. I'm sure they would very much appreciate it. Or indeed, you can visit them on Instagram at Kyoto Glasgow. I've put them on my Instagram story a few times because, like I said, they're fabulous. And I know that they are big advocates for sober queer spaces as well. Um, and we will be sharing their, their contact details and information to our Instagram page at The Rampant Rundown. So please make sure to check them out. Please, please, please. Also, there is uh, another sober cafe uh, called The Pink Peacock, which is based in Glasgow. And they are a queer Yiddish anarchist pay-what-you-can cafe. I mean, that is a tagline if I've ever heard it. We love to see that. It's late night, alcohol free, accessible and vegan. What is not to love? They have the motto Solidarity Forever and we here at the Rampant Rundown, we want to extend our solidarity to them. So please go check them out. Follow them on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Go check them out. Their username is Diro Zevipev. I hope I pronounced that right. If I didn't, my uttermost apologies. It's spelt D-I-R-O-Z-E-V-E-P-A-V-E. Lastly, if you are the owner of a sober queer space or you frequently attend a sober queer, spa uh, sober queer space that you think is fabulous and deserves some more recognition or promotion or you just want to share it with us, then please get in touch with us. We really want to hear from you. You can send me a message at Lady Rampant on Instagram or indeed to our, directly to our podcast Instagram, which is at The Rampant Rundown. Alternatively, you can send us an email, therampantrundown at outlook.com we're literally everywhere. We're all over the place. You can't miss us. And uh, if you want to share some details with us and, uh, and indeed want to share that to our Instagram page, then of course we can put that on our Instagram too to make other people aware of it because we really do need more safe, sober, queer spaces. Now, that sadly brings us to the close of this week's episode, my first ever episode of The Rampant Rundown. Ah, oh, so happy. If you've stayed with us this long, then thank you so much for tuning in. This week's been really educational for me, and I'm genuinely really enthusiastic, as you can probably tell, to see more sober queer spaces opening up, like the Greenwood Cafe, like Q2, like the Pink Peacock. Um, I think they're fantastic, and I personally want to do everything I can to support them. So when I can, I'm going to get a coffee at all of them. Because <laughs> like I said, said at the start of the episode, you know she's always drinking coffee. She's always drinking something. I want to say a big thank you to my special guest this week, Oscar, for joining me. Thank you so much, Oscar. You're an absolute gem and I wish you and Zach every single success with the Greenwood Cafe. I'm sure you guys are going to smash the opening and it's going to be fantastic. We'll be sharing all of the information and contact details of all our Sober Queer Spaces to our Instagram at The Rampant Rundown, so please check out the page for more details uh, that I'm going to signpost there. I'm not just trying to get you to go and follow our Instagram, although I might be doing that slightly, but not fully. Like, genuinely, that's where we're going to be putting and posting all of our information that you can just see it in physical form instead of listening to me talking about it. So, yeah, go and check out our Instagram page. That's where I'm going to be putting all the information. So that's the end of episode one. Here at the Rampant Rundown, we are going to finish with our usual motto that we're going to finish every episode each week, a nice uplifting Scottish message. And that is, you can carve your own path, dance to your own tune and make your own magic. So until next week, it's bye for now. Bye!